As a parent, I've heard these words so many times. But that's unfair. You're treating me unfair. Why do you have to be so unfair? Or something like that. Truth be told, I have told my children often, life is not fair. So when you have an unfair life, the question is, how do you deal with it? Is it really a part of life? And what does God do to take care of it? My name is Trey Rhodes, and I'm the Connections Pastor here at Northwood Baptist Church, and it's great to have you along for uh, our audio study guide and studying the Word of God together. And I want to thank you for coming and being a part, whether you're a Life Connection group leader, care group leader, or uh, one of our assistant uh, co-teachers. We appreciate you coming and listening and being a part. If you would like or know of someone that you would like to be on this list so that they can have the audio study guide, just let me know. There's nothing secret or mysterious about it. And if you're listening around the world, we also welcome you, and you are also welcome to not only this audio study guide, but also the materials that go with it. So if you'll send me your name, uh, you can contact me, Trey, T-R-E-Y, at northwoodbaptist.com and we will get it straight and get it directly to you. So we're looking at Psalm chapter 73 today, and we're talking about when life seems unfair. A lot of times life does seem unfair. Imagine being somebody that's paid $78,000 to be a chief candy officer with no experience. And how many of us have gone to college and seminary and um, uh, gone to graduate school and uh, have all kind of years of experience and don't make anywhere near that much. Seems unfair. But the truth be told is that God doesn't determine or design, let me say it that way, life to be fair. Uh, If God, so that's why it makes people ask when they start to doubt God, if God's so good, why is life unfair? Well, you're not the only person that's ever asked that question. Many times people have asked this question throughout the centuries and tried to figure out what's going on with God. Now, if you remember the story, we're, we're in book three of the Psalms. We've ended book two, and it ends with the statement, the prayers of David, son of Jesse, are concluded in Psalm 72:20. And there's a few more Psalms of David, though, as we move along into the, the Psalter. But we hear from others besides David uh, in the remainder of this book. So Psalms 73 to 83 are written by Asaph. So the theme is, in book three, how could God abandon his king and his people? And the majority of these psalms written uh, when God's people are in exile. And by the way, I'm going to also continue to send you the summary of psalms, and you'll have the access to that so you can kind of help with your studying and also help with your uh, Life Connection group to help them understand as well. So it really makes sense that this psalm opens up book three. It's a psalm of doubt, a psalm that that we need to look at because there are doubts. When, we, when things don't seem to be going like we think they should, we tend to doubt God and doubt His ways and doubt what He's doing, and we, we tend to move away from God because we think that God ought to have our best interest when it really is always about God's best interest, isn't it? So this is about Asaph, and by the way, Asaph was a song leader in the tabernacle. We know that from 1 Chronicles chapter 6, verse 31. And verse one tells us that God is good. God is good, and He is always good, and He will always be good. Um, he knows it, Asaph does, because he's seen it. He saw David's rise to power. He saw the Ark of the Covenant brought to the tabernacle. He 
saw Israel as a nation prosper. And in the same way, you, you know God is good, don't you? You've seen Him at work in your life, and you can point at moments in your life when God's work was evident. But then things start to change a little bit. And it's then that the doubts start to creep in. Maybe it's a time when you don't feel like God is doing what He should be doing. Or maybe it's a time when you experience the blessing of God in a much stronger way. Um, so that's why we get verse 2, my feet almost slipped. So Asaph loses his footing, and in losing his footing, uh, he slips back to some of the things that he probably thought maybe even before he had an understanding of God. He nearly went astray. Why? Well, verse 3 tells us that he, what happened was he started to compare his life to the lives of others. And when he did, he saw the wicked prospering. There's always a danger when you compare it. You know, we don't compare ourselves to others. You know, if we, there's always going to be some, think about it, there's always going to be somebody wealthier. There's always going to be somebody more famous. There's always going to be somebody better. There's always going to be somebody who has it, has a, a larger company. Whatever, there will always be someone who is better, bigger. And if you think that that continues on, in, the, in recent days, we've seen, uh, recent years especially, we've seen people that used to be the wealthiest people in the world no longer the wealthiest people in the world. So what Asaph sees is he sees their wealthy lifestyles. He sees how easy it is for him. He sees how fat they get from all the food they eat. And then he, he saw how the wicked uh, oppressed people. He saw how the wicked at literally, in, in verses 8, if you look at verses 8 and 9 and then even to verse 11, you'll see... It talks about the wicked oppressing others and speaking against God. So verse 12 tells us, look at the wicked. They have it easy. They always get richer. And as you hear them say that, hear Asaph saying that, you can actually hear you know, this idea of just not fair. So Asaph struggled with what we struggle with when we consider our own struggles and the prosperity of others. Um, think about it, verse 3, uh, these are our struggles. We, we have envy, we get discouraged, verse 14. We're confused, verse 16, we get angry. Remember this, though. God is indeed good. That's how he starts this entire psalm, is God is indeed good. And then by the time we get to verses, the end of verse 16, verse, we hear Seth saying, well, maybe God's not that good. Uh, so you start to doubt God's goodness, and when you do, what do you do? So here's how you examine your focus. Two questions. Are you too focused on what you can see in the present? And then are you too unfocused on what you cannot see? So that's our problem. We get so focused on what we can see that we don't focus on the things that really matter, the eternal things, the things that matter the most, our eternal reward and all those kind of things. What you can't see is the misery in the hearts of the wicked who seems so prosperous. Uh, you see, you know, that guy driving the, the multi-million dollar, these days, trucks. I've seen these trucks. Man, these trucks can cost $50,000, $80,000. And, you know, you think, man, why, why is it him that drives it, not me? So when you start to doubt like that, examine your focus and start to ask, what is your heart really focused on? All right, so let's do that. First of all, let's examine our response. How do you respond when life seems unfair? Verse 13 says, did I do this for nothing? Well, we've all felt that way. We did all the right things. We acted the right way. We did what was supposed to be done. And 
you ask, well, did I attend church all these years for nothing? How about all those prayers I prayed? What about all that time I read the Bible? Maybe some of you, maybe some people in your Life Connection group have just been tempted to walk away from, uh, from the faith. What do you think leads someone to, to cry out to God with these same words or cry out maybe not even to God at that point? You'll be tempted to say that following Jesus was a waste. Why? Because you want results more than a relationship. Or maybe because you try to make sense of life by applying the world's wisdom instead of applying God's wisdom. Here's what the world's wisdom says. It's all about what you want. God's wisdom says it's all about what God wants. You might not have said, I don't, probably uh, 90% or maybe even more of your Life Connection Group has never said following Jesus is a waste. But there are times when you find yourself drifting. You're not really pursuing like you once did. You're not pursuing Jesus as you once did. You're given evidence that you don't think following Jesus is worth your time because your time is going in other places. So why well, I, I spent my time doing that. You'll always follow you always say following Jesus is worth it when you change the only's to if thens. So if only I had, if only I was born to the right family, if only my circumstances were different, if only I'd been mistreated, Pastor Tommy wrote all these down, if only my spouse, if only my children, Pastor Tommy was very clear about that, or if God loves me, then I can be devoted to him, or if God has given everything for me, then I can trust him. If God is faithful to me, see here the if-thens in? If God is faithful, then I can endure difficulties. If God is good, then I can trust he's working out all things for his glory and my good. If Jesus is returning, then I can take my focus off the, the temporary, the, 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 what's existent now, and put it on what really matters, which is the eternal. So we really need to change the questions we're asking. You know, from the if-onlys to the if-thens. All right, so the first thing we do is we examine our response. We also examine our heart. And truly out of the heart, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So a lot of times the things that we are thinking comes out of our heart. So in verse 17, we take this dramatic turn. And what happens is he says, until I entered God's sanctuary. You see, he saw the penalty of sins being paid for. So when life see, seems unfair... Beware of neglecting God's presence. Life's unfair because we live in a broken world. Don't ever forget that. This world is broken. If you don't believe me, there's sickness, there's war, there's disease. There is unfair things that go on all the time. So when life seems unfair, you, you need to discipline yourself to be more in the presence of God. So why? We're, we're pointing ourselves to God. We're looking to God. We're depending on God. All those things when we have the presence of God, when we push ourselves, discipline ourselves to be in the presence of God. So when life seems unfair, you might not want to be in God's presence, but you need to be in God's presence. So beware of neglecting God's presence. Second, beware of an idolatrous heart, verses 21 to 22. Asaph realized something was going on, and God wasn't unfair. God was good. Asaph was the one who was stupid. Uh, something had taken place in his innermost being. He longed for the world, but... And, and he did that more than he longed for God. And he had committed idolatry. He had placed other things before God. But God then, in his grace, takes him by the right hand and guides him with his counsel. So Asaph's issue is actually your issue and my issue and the issue of the people in your life connection group. What's that? 
idolatry. Whenever we put anything between or any, any person between God and what's important uh, as what's important in your life, if some takes God's place, then you're committing idolatry. Because it's your idol that sets the agenda for your life. Whatever you idolize sets the agenda. It's what you think about. It's what you pursue. It's what you're faithful to. Idols are good things that you've made God things. Ouch. Let me say that again. You need to say that to your life connection group. Idols are good things that you've made a God thing. Pastor Tommy wrote that down verbatim. Enjoying the things of life is good, but that becomes an idol when it becomes a source of all your joy and satisfaction. So if you feel like God's unfair, the problem isn't that God has been unfaithful. The problem is you've been unfaithful to God. So what do we, what do we got to do? We go back to what we found in Psalm chapter 51. We need to repent. We have a heart issue that God wants to deal with. So the first beware is don't neglect God's presence. Second beware is idolatrous heart. Third beware is forgetting eternity. Asaph's attitude changes at the end of the psalm, and in the presence of God, he's reminded of God's justice. So verse 3, we have Asaph, Asaph on the slippery slope. He's losing footing. Verse 18, it's the wicked we find out who are the ones that are going to lose their footing. In, in verse 27, we find it's the wicked that we find out will perish because God will destroy the unfaithful. And for Asaph, life might seem unfair now, but God is accomplishing something in his life, and God is accomplishing something in your and my, yours and my life at the same time. Verses 23 to 26, Asaph is always with God. Heart and flesh may fail, but God is my strength and my portion forever. When you, when, the, when we cry that word, those words out, that is the cry of the believer. Right now, life might seem unfair, but we have eternity in our view because God is our strength and our portion. And when everything else fails us, even when our own bodies fail us, God will not. That's why being in the presence of God is good, according to verse 28. So when life seems unfair, when I begin to doubt God's goodness, I don't need to pull away. I need to press in. I need to lean into it. When life seems unfair and I begin to doubt, I don't need to look out, but I need to look up. Remind yourself that if anyone understood what unfairness was, it was Jesus. The perfect Son of God, treated unfairly by people, He was despised and rejected by the very ones that He came to bring salvation to. And He showed love and compassion. He served others. Yet that same Jesus, our Lord, our Savior, was scorned and mocked and beaten. You see, Jesus knows what it's like to live unfair in an unfair world. But He willingly went to a cross. He willingly said to His Father, Not my will, but yours be done. And Jesus died for the people that had treated him so unfairly. This one who died for you invites you to follow him, not so you can have everything you want, but so you can have everything that he wants for you. And so one day, you can say with the psalmist, Who do I in heaven but you? Verse 25. All right, let's jump into the questions in Psalm 73. Honesty time. You pick out whichever one you think is going to get them talking and that's why we put four up there. Once you get them talking, you can move on to examine the text. But uh, number one is a good one. You can start there. Have you ever had a time in your life when you felt like you were treated unfairly? Uh, why did you feel like you were treated unfairly? How did you respond? Uh, so let's examine the text. All right. In Psalm 73, 1, in the psalm, 
Asaph laments about his prosperity, yet he starts the psalm proclaiming the goodness of God. Now, why do you think Asaph starts Psalm 73 this way? Because I think he, as we talked about, Asaph had an understanding of what God was up to and what God was doing. And he knew that God uh, wasn't unfair in his, in his heart. He, he was the one that as he led, uh, led uh, people in worship. Uh, he had seen God's goodness. He had seen David's rise to power. He, he had seen the Ark of the Covenant brought to the tabernacle. He saw Israel prosper. So he knew what it was like to, for God to be good. But then we jump to 7 uh, verses 2 and 3. What does the psalmist mean when he says that he almost lost his footing? Well, obviously, he, he started slipping back. His feet slipped. He loses his footing. He, the idea is he, he nearly went astray. So why would Asaph envy the wicked when he knows how good God is? Because he started comparing. Beware of comparing. Let your Life Connection group know that. Beware of comparing others and how good they have it compared to you. By the way, no one knows what goes on behind closed doors. Let me say that. You see these people that have all this stuff. Behind closed doors, their life is a wreck. So be careful thinking, I wish I had. Because it's not a wishing I had of one thing and not having the other. All right, uh, then we read Psalm 73, 2 through 12. A long section, but you might want to read it out loud. What, what do you notice about how Asaph describes Asaph describes the wicked? Uh, he talks about how the wicked had everything. They were fat. They they uh, they increased their wealth. Uh, they're always it's life is always easy for them. Those kind of things. All right. Uh, do you think Asaph is correct in his description of the wicked? Well, for the most part, he is. You look at the wicked and you think, there they are. They have everything, all the food they want. They have every kind of uh, toy that they want, whether it's their cars or boats or, or uh, you know, whatever it is that you think they should or shouldn't have. And you see the wicked and they have it all, right? A lot of times that is the case. So, in Psalm, so then let's read Psalm 73, 13 to 15. Now, as we read those passages of Scripture... Let's ask this question. Have you ever felt like Asaph? Have you ever felt like him where he was saying, you know, did I do this for nothing? You know, um, maybe you felt that way. Maybe someone in your life connection group has. Have you ever felt like walking with Jesus is a waste? We, I have had people who came to Christ, and, and I'm telling you, in my church, and, and they turned away from the Lord because they thought somebody else had it better than them. And why wasn't God blessing them like he was blessing the other? And they said, I just can't take it anymore. I feel like I deserve more. And it, life has gotten tough for me. It's not gotten easier. It's not going to get easier. Why do we sometimes doubt that our walk with Jesus is worth it? Well, when you see all that going around, we feel like it's been a waste, right? And you, you, you remember what Pastor Tommy said, you want results from God more than a relationship with God. So it's about, a rela it's about relationships, not results. That's what our life is. And then we do things like we apply the world's wisdom instead of applying God's wisdom. Wisdom, uh, all about what you want. That's the world's wisdom. God's wisdom is all about what God wants. It's about God. So we can doubt that when we see those kind of things. So we overcome those doubts. But what we do is we develop this ongoing 
thriving relationship with God and lean into God when it seems like life's unfair. All right, Psalm 73, 17 to 20. Now, all of a sudden, as remember, we talked about the psalmist's perspective changes here. So why did it change? Well, because he saw the end, didn't he? <laughs> he saw the end. I, I, it was when I saw eternity. He went back to the temple. He saw the beauty of all that God had created. He saw the different things that were represented in the temple. If you remember, Pastor Tommy said the different scenes, whether it's Eden or other things, knowing that Eden one day will return. God's perspective changed him. How can our perspective change when we think life is unfair? Well, one thing he said that, that's a good thing to do, and, you know, change your if-onlys to if-then. Remember, if only I had whatever it was, if only I was born in the right family, if only I had, if my spouse had, whatever it is. We need to change it to things like, if God loves me, then I can be devoted to him. If God has given everything for me, then I can trust him. God is faithful to me, then I can endure difficulties. Jump to Psalm 73, verses 21 to 28. Okay, ask the question, what do you see in these verses that can be, that can be a comfort to you when you go through seasons when you feel like life is unfair? Well, we jump to those verses and we look and say, okay, God is in control. God is dealing with eternity. Uh, we, we focus on the things that really matter. We focus on the things that not just matter to, to eternity, but we focus on the things that matter to God. So when life seems unfair, to sum it all up, and we doubt God's goodness, we don't need to pull away, we need to press in. And when life seems unfair and when I begin to doubt, I don't need to look out. I need to look up, look to God. And then, of course, Psalm 73 points us to the gospel of Jesus for the simple reason that Jesus was the most unfairly treated person in all of history and yet died for those same people that were unfair to him. The ones he came to save were the most unfair, and yet he still died for them. That, my friend, is demonstrating pressing into the will, the work, and the relationship with God. All right, let's apply the truth. Number one, what's the abundant life that God has promised us? It's not about stuff, is it? It's about having an ongoing spiritual relationship with God. It's not about having things, about receiving things. It's about having a relationship with God. We, we pursue that abundant life in Christ. There's the ways that we do that are how. We say, okay, I'm going to be with God's people. We say, I'm going to study the Word of God, not just alone, but with God's people. Demonstrate love for other people. We pursue that relationship by having that ongoing prayer time with God. We tell others about what God has done for us. All those things will help us pursue that abundant life in Christ. Number two, how does your perspective need to change that you might be able to say following Jesus is worth it? So when you look, you know, when you look out and you say, why do they have all that instead of saying, you know, my thing was not necessarily, why do they have all that? But, you know, and I don't. I, I never thought that I was any better than anyone else that deserved it. I, I didn't deserve anything. We, we need to understand that that relationship with God is what matters the most. And we don't apply our wisdom to a situation. We apply God's wisdom to a situation so that you will never say following Jesus is a waste. That's how we change our perspective.
Following Jesus is not a waste. It's worth it. Number three, what is idolatry? Well, idolatry is putting anything between us and that relationship with God, uh, putting anything before God and God's will, right? So how does this passage speak to idolatrous hearts? Just like Asaph, he had recognized that he had let these other things, especially comparing himself to others and what they had and their stuff that they had and somehow thinking that he deserved it and that was better for him. It put those things between him and God. Now, here's the tough question. What tends to be an idol in your life? Is it your work? Is it your relationships? Is it your family? All these are good things. Remember we talked about that? I, I, I said it more than once. And that is that we take what is good and we make it our God. Don't let that happen. So what is that in your life? So we need to go back to Psalm 51, as we talked about as well. We need to repent of our sin and repent of the son of idolatry. Number four, how does focusing on eternity help us when we think life is unfair? Well, we know that God has this. God's got it in the end. We look at what, what God does. God will take care of the wicked. We don't have to worry about that. God will do it. When we see their end, then what do we do? It needs to be the cry of the Christian when we look up to God and we say, God is our portion, our strength and our portion forever. That is the cry of the believer. Yes, our heart and our flesh will fail. The things that we think are so important are going to be gone. But God is our strength and our portion forever. That helps us focus on eternity. All right. So what do you think God is calling you to do in response to Psalm 73? And then finally... How will Psalm 73 inform the way you pray? Because what we want to do is we want to make sure that you are praying these things because it says that you understand these things. You're telling God, hey God, I want to focus on you. I want to depend on you, okay? Well, that's all we have for you today. I'm going to pray for you and let you go. But thank you so much for all your hard work. We have the fall coming up. Lots lots of people are going to be coming back to church because they've been out visiting and other things this, this summer. So it's going to be great to have them back, and I just want you to be ready. And so I'm going to pray for you about that as well. Of course, if you have any questions, always contact me, Trey at NorthwoodBaptist.com, and I will get right back with you and try to answer your questions, whether it's a piece that's missing or something you extra you need or maybe even a question about the material. So if we can help, just uh, let me know. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you so much that uh, when we see the end of the wicked, we recognize that you have it in control. Lord, we don't need to think that life's unfair. When we think life's unfair, instead of being comparing, we need to press into you. We need to build that relationship with you. We need to look to eternity and what you're doing. Oh God, may we be those kind of people. May we place these things in your hands and let you take care of them because you always do best anyway. As you said, as your word says about your son Jesus, he does all things good. And Lord, you do all things good. And we're grateful. And he uses us this week. Helps to serve you, please you, and honor you. And be thankful for everything that you have given us. Including Jesus Christ. And salvation through Christ. The one who was treated the most unfairly. And that he saved us. Lord, help us this week in every way to follow you as never before. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, guys, have a great week. Lord willing, see you Sunday.